0: Ladies and gentlemen and friends, John Roycelin here bringing you House of Tortured Souls live. John is presenting to you his own show, The Witching Hour. Special guest tonight, we have Mr. Dave Niebuhr with us. Dave, hey, how are you? Oh, man, thanks you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, Dave is bass player extraordinaire for the one and only Dog Eat Dog. Now, for those, Dave, who may not be familiar with the band, who I, luckily, I got to see, unfortunately, uh, this is before you were with the band. I saw them play at Dobbs in South Street, Philly. It was a matinee show with, uh, who was it, with M- Mad yeah. Ball I, and, and... And Downset. Uh, and Downset, yes. Yeah, of yeah. course. Oh, my just God. Just so
1: you know, just to, to clarify... I started the band and I've played every show with the band. So if you saw Doggy Dog, you
0: saw Doggy Dave. You were, oh my God, I'm my deepest. I apologize completely. I, 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 think no you were problem. there. I, I was go. there. I remember it very well. Absolutely. That was a phenomenal show. It was one of my, my few and actual only true official hardcore matinee shows. Yeah. And, blew the roof off the place but
1: yeah. not show. Go. It, it was a fun tour we had uh we had a really good time uh with Madball and Downset we had already toured with so like we knew those guys we we had done two tours of Europe with them uh before we did that tour. Uh so we we spent a lot of time with Downset um and Madball we became like really close with and good friends with on that tour and still getting love today so you know that 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 started a you know 25 year friendship. So that, that tour was special for everybody. I'm glad you were there. It was, oh it was definitely that, cool. That,
0: oh, man. I mean, th- those three bands, you know, on the same bill was, at that given time, outside of, you know, uh, the heavy metal scene, you know, waiting for the next Slayer album and so forth and Biohazard to come around, that bill that you guys put together for that show was the be-all, end-all for us. It really was. We crammed, I don't know, I think five or six of us into my buddy Chevy. <laughs> we drove up from Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, just walked up and down South Street, got the cheesesteak, had a couple beers at a place right across the street from the place, and um, just made a day of it. Man, Joe. Yeah. I, I, I remember it was show. definitely
1: packed. There's no doubt. It was it a packed one. Uh, that was cool. It was a, It was like, I remember, like, I didn't really know Philly that well uh, at that time. Uh, I'd been there, but it it was definitely like a great vibe. I remember walking up and down South Street and being like, this is a cool area here. You know, now I've gone there a lot since then and I I got a better idea of Philly. But back then it was I was, you know, a younger guy and it was every day was an adventure uh, when you're touring. You know, it's great.
0: Now, can you give the listeners here a brief description or it's hard to categorize you guys. Now, you know, we're sitting here talking about how you guys are on a hardcore bill. Yeah. Dog Eat dog definitely brings its own style to the world. Well,
1: we, we started 30 years ago in 1990. and, And at our earliest roots, I would say that we were part of like the New York, New Jersey, hardcore scene. Okay. We signed a, we signed with Roadrunner Records, which was primarily a metal label. Right. Um, and they weren't used to, you know, we we kind of incorporated some rap elements. A lot of bands weren't doing that, but cer- certain bands were like Biohazard, who are like our very close friends at the time. Um, right. And that we were kind of on the same level with them, where it was delivering a little more rap uh, approach as opposed to just like singing or, or screaming. And uh, over, you know we we had a pretty successful first lp alboro kings and that and that kind of put us on mtv and then we got kind of a, not a lot of pressure but some pressure from the label to kind of write more commercial songs cuz we were doing very well in europe sure so we kind of changed in the mid 90s like around 96 to like incorporate more like pop punk and we had like more saxophone so it was like horns and melodic vocals now on top of like punk and hardcore. And and then we, we, on our further records down, you know, we incorporated reggae and other kinds of elements. So like, it's really like doggy dog is just a mix of everything, but it's got like punk and hardcore roots to it all. It's just, you know, over the years, 30 years, you, 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 you change a bit and try a bunch of different things. So uh, I really suggest, you know, to somebody, uh, our album Walk With Me is the hardest album to, to listen to. It came out in 2005, but I think that's a great overall representation of the band because it's the album sounds good um, and it has like all our styles on there. So uh, if you can on, on YouTube, you can definitely hear the album Walk With Me 2005. It's probably our least known record, but it, I think it's the best.
0: Okay. Well, so then that, that answers that question. I was going to, I was, I was going to ask what, you know, what your, your proudest album would be. So you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. You guys definitely check that out. Uh, it, it's just such a fun music. And, you know, I, I watch you guys religiously, all of your, you know, you're, you're very avid on social media with Instagram and keeping everybody updated and your live shows, especially in Europe. Oh, my God. They just they just look like you guys are just having a blast. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it really is fun. And the audiences in Europe are just crazy. And we play some pretty big festivals. We played Vacan Open Air. We played Sonosphere. And, you know, we, we've done countless festivals, big ones, Brutal uh, Assault in Czech, uh, even though we're not metal, we, we just keep ending up on these metal festivals, which is great because <laughs> I'm a metalhead. I grew up with metal. I'm seeing and, and hanging out with some of my favorite bands of all time. And, and you know, it's a great thing. But the good thing about Doggy Dog is we can kind of switch and play a pop festival and, and still make it work, you know, so. Right. Uh, but keeping fun is the the key word to everything and and our shows are are definitely fun and it's not only fun for the audience it's fun for the guys in the band we we actually enjoy being together and and you know however tough it is on the road when you have good friends with you and you're not fighting over bullshit or whatever this is you know what it's all about and and i think that's why
0: we've lasted 30 years and and still going well it definitely shows i i don't see one picture or video of you guys live when it just doesn't look like you guys aren't genuinely loving what you are doing. You know, you're up there partying, you're with Mm -hmm. your friends, your brothers, so to speak, and just having a great time at it. That's
1: That's why we started the band. You know, I mean, we certainly didn't think it was ever going to last this long or that we were going to get to the level of success that we had. Um, It it, yet you got to just love doing it. And just, you know, I, I don't smile. For the camera, I'm just smiling because I really love playing this music and watching people having a good time. And it's like, it just never gets old for me.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned you never thought it would last this long. What would your fallback job have been or career if, if, if something different? What would it have been, do you think? Well, that's a good question because
1: I didn't go to college. My college was touring Europe with Mucky Pup, the band I was in before Dog Eat Dog.
0: I remember them well,
1: I I was playing in bands since I was 12 years old and, you know, different like shows and some local club gigs. But it was never my intention by the time I got to be a senior in high school uh, that I was going to have a career in music. That wasn't even a question. I was like, shit, what am I going to do? I'm going (laughs) to go to like a local like college. And sort out my life because I really didn't like pay a lot of attention in high school. I was definitely that, you know, guy skating through high school and just charming his teachers and, and, you know, not really doing much, listening to a lot of music, chasing girls or whatever. You know, I mean, I I just didn't really have a plan. Um, And then I got a call like end of the school year, senior year of high school for Mucky Pup. And they're like, we were looking for a bass player and I got the job. And it was like, we're making a record and we're going on tour. And I'm like, I went to college and then dropped out because they, we were going to Europe and there was just no way I was going to be able to like do my classes from Europe or anything. So I thought, okay, when Mucky Pup ends, I'll go back to college. I'll get some degree in something. I'll get a job. Well, Mucky Pup turned into Doggy Dog, and we never stopped touring and never stopped making records. And here I am, 30 years later. And here you are today. And 32 years with Mucky Pup touring—that's what I know. I know how to travel around the world. I know how to entertain people, and it's what I've done. Now, if I all of a sudden that stopped, which I I know it will, I guess making music for mu- movies or television—you know, some some type of soundtrack field—I know it's not a. Big paying job uh because it's it's generally the last thing people need on a on a movie or, or show so the money's always gone uh, but it's my passion so I, I would probably get into some kind of production
0: a uh, music production of some type uh, that's that's awesome to, to hear and uh i'll probably be probably be knocking on your door god god willing uh, i ever actually finish writing my script for the uh, a short holiday horror film that I'm working on myself. Uh, That's awesome. But, but with that being said, um, you are a avid horror fan. Oh, yeah. You are an avid soundtrack fan. Definitely. And and here is the clincher right here that I think is just the coolest thing amongst everything. You are putting all that together you are a avid vinyl collector yeah yeah I think that is just the neatest damn thing in the world um, you know I, I was thinking about our conversation and my youngest son he is um, he's gotten big into vinyl he's, he's, he's a retro listener he's big into Queen and David Bowie and so forth. And so for his last year's birthday, uh, he lives in Delaware. And I drove him into Baltimore into the Inner Harbor and Fells Point and took him to one of the few used or just one of the few record stores that I could find in the area. And I figured, you know, it had been a long time since I bought vinyl. In most places, it used to always be you could find some that was used. And maybe you'd pay five dollars for, you know, for a double live album. And I'm walking through, and and my son's picking up this and picking up that. And they're all brand new. You know, everything's being re-released now on vinyl. And $30, $40 a pop. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. I mean, my mind was blown. I was completely taken back by this. And, you know, within five minutes, he's already got a shopping cart full. But hmm. you are collecting this stuff. I'm watching you. You're collecting this stuff from all across the world it seems.
1: Right. Well, see, I got into soundtracks, you know, now of course there's going to be people who are older than me that, you know, had more experience, but basically I started listening to soundtracks around like 1981, 82. Uh <laughs> so pretty early uh for a 12-year-old kid to be listening to like Varese Vi- Seraban vinyl soundtracks you know but yeah. the
0: appreciation uh, that you had for it especially at that age that's incredible
1: yeah i just i was so like fascinated with horror films and i the music on some of them you know really stood out especially halloween and halloween 2 those were those were absolutely key soundtracks for me like when i heard halloween 2 uh, it just changed my life. And it it still to this day affects things. Escape from New York was another one that really affected me. Like when I saw that movie, that music made that movie. Uh, And the sounds of those synthesizers were so heavy to me at the time. I was like, this shit is crazy. And still in my work today, everything, it's still affected by, uh, John Carpenter's, uh, sound. So him, him especially. And, uh, in the mid eighties, uh, I made a, a a friend who worked at a video store, Mom and Pop, you know, the old shop. Oh, yeah. Sure. And he was a soundtrack guy. And there you didn't know anybody who was listening to these horror soundtracks, but he did. And he had them. And he recorded me Maniac soundtrack. Wow. Um, on one side of a tape. And then he gave me uh, North by Northwest by Bernard Herman. And he was only vinyl, all vinyl. And, and he had these records. And he made me, uh, I remember... Um, one Japanese movie, no one knows, but it's awesome called the village of eight gravestones. It was, it's on a very vinyl record. Um, anyway, I used to just listen to these tapes and, and then when Fangoria came out, uh, they used to run ads in the back where you could like order by mail. Sure these records you know so they would have like escape from new york they would have the john carpenter ones they would have uh a couple other ones but they definitely had dawn of the dead and that was the first one i ever mail ordered uh and i got my dawn of the dead original vinyl and everything was changed for me after that like then i was like okay i we used to have a store in manhattan called footlight records and there was also tower records back in the day which had like a huge everything was on vinyl so that's the thing is CDs weren't even out yet. So all you had was vinyl or cassette. And so like when you go to the soundtrack collection, I'll never forget going to Tower Records uh, uptown downstairs. And it was like thousands of (laughs) soundtracks on vinyl and the ones that people are paying top dollar for today. They were all there in in a bunch of them. And so I used to like have my parents like drive me in and then I'd pick one soundtrack Every time i go in, I can remember coming home with Creepshow. Oh, oh, wow. Man. So many. That one changed my life, too. I mean, there were so many that uh, uh, that I wished that I had bought, knowing how they would go. But I, I always collected them on vinyl. And then when CDs came out, I switched over. So I can remember getting The Fog and Escape from New York uh, early Halloween, Halloween 2, like on CD early. Like we're talking like mid-80s. Um awesome. So yeah, so and it never so stopped.
0: Well, studies have 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 said over the years, and I remember being in school when the CDs first came out, and I was in science class, and you know, the, our teacher is talking to us about it. And this is like the only time I ever listened to this old bat because she was just a a stick in the mud, real pain in the ass of a woman. But you know, she had said that scientifics scientific studies have proven that comparatively compact disc to vinyl vinyl is actually still a better sound yes you get all the little you know the the little i don't even know the cracks cracks exactly but the actual sound recording is actually better quality than on a compact disc do you prefer if you were to walk into one store and they were to tell you every single thing that you find on cd we guarantee we have it in vinyl
1: I would, buy right. both
0: you buy both <laughs> yeah I have
1: I have everything on I have the vinyl and the CD because I I do a lot of driving around and I, I only listen to soundtrack music in my car right. and I I want them uh, on CD for the car i I don't do a huge amount of record listening I do listen to everything I get. But I, it's not like my I, I spend much more time in my car. So I, I get the vinyl. I like at, at night listening to vinyl uh, when you're nice and relaxed. It's cool. I love it. Um, but, you know, you're cleaning your house. I love having vinyl on. But, you know, definitely CDs Im- important for me for for the car. Um, but just to jump ahead on what we're talking nowadays, vinyl, especially the horror vinyl, is really hot. The original stuff, the stuff from the eighties, you know, everyone is paying hundred dollars for a John Carpenter original. Um And all the companies that are doing the like reissues are doing such an incredible job. I mean, they're just beautiful, but they're expensive. You know I mean? You're talking 30, $40, you're getting your money's worth in terms of packaging and the quality of the music. So here I am buying them again. So like there's stuff I've got, like (laughs) two, two different vinyls, two or three different CDs. I think I have seven, six or seven versions of creep show at this point. Like it's, it's one of my favorites. So I, I continue to buy it. Um, but I, I think you're getting a lot of younger people uh, who are really getting into horror soundtracks now in the last like five years. I think, you know, I'm trying to pinpoint it, but, you you know, there's certain movies that came out that started this like synth wave, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of that started with like the Tron uh, soundtrack by uh, Daft Punk and the It Follows soundtrack um and there were a couple other ones that were you know kind of really well done retro so and and i think that sparked a big interest in in a lot of the john carpenter and a lot of the horror soundtracks
0: all right so you've been you first started buying vinyl you said you know you'd have mom and dad take you into the city and you started and at that age you were roughly what 12 you said i i would say
1: my beginnings were you know basically between 12 and 15 when i okay. when i started
0: okay so at that time frame you might not have the mentality of being let's say a collector you bought it oh i got the new album it's great i'm gonna listen yeah and then over the course of years it might yeah. sit in the corner of the room get thrown away what have you how many how much i mean i know nowadays you you collect i i, I don't even know if you know how much vinyl you honestly have in numbers but how much do you think oh, my God, I used to have that that vinyl back when I was a kid, and God only knows what happened to it kind of day. Well,
1: that's a problem for me, and not because I didn't know where they were, but because I sold a lot of it. Right. Uh, And in about 2001, after 9-11, believe it or not, the music industry took a big hit. Uh, Bands weren't touring. Everything shut down. It was kind of like it is now. Uh, I'm not touring. I should have been in Europe. I'm I'm supposed to be making a record and touring right now, but everything's canceled for the summer. Well, after 9-11, everything went on a shutdown Um, and I had to continue to earn money. So I was like, you know what? I have all this horror stuff and I got it on CD. So why do I need the vinyl? And I made a big mistake. I sold (laughs) I sold nearly all my death metal and metal vinyl and i I got a lot for those i did well but i regret them every day like i'm like where's my slayer rain and blood vinyl and it's like (laughs) oh yeah you sold that 20 years ago damn i can't remember so i kept a log of everything but i'm afraid to look at it because i know uh, i i so mostly metal hardcore and punk records i i sold half my collection unfortunately I, i shouldn't have um on in terms of soundtracks I sold too many, but less than that. I probably only sold about 50 vinyls, but Hmm. ones that if I were to buy back, I'd pay, you know, four times as much as I I got back then. Nobody wanted vinyl in 2001, 2002, even 2003. Nobody cared about soundtracks on vinyl. You were maybe getting $10 for like the original troll soundtrack i think i got eight dollars for it now they're going for like 60 to 90 dollars for that one with the troll on the cover you know the original uh, wow. um, version yeah and it's like well <clears throat> you can't look into the future and i had it on cd so i was like well i don't need this vinyl i wasn't thinking like it's going to be worth anything there's no way i could have known that these records were going to go up in value It was like repo man soundtrack one of my favorite movies i'm right. like i got it on cd twice on cd why do i need the vinyl i sold it for like six dollars i bought it back for 30 (laughs) recently i was like one by one i'm gonna buy these things back when i find them at a good price but yeah i regret so my advice to anyone if you have anything that you hold valuable it's better not to sell it right you know, I mean, you know, if you can really live without it, good, but you're you're probably going to regret it someday, especially these things change in value and, and just sentimental
0: value. You know, you, you sure. can't replace that. Well, going, going back to when you were a kid, first year to getting getting into music and, and like I've been explaining to our listeners here, you know, dog eat dog has definitely got its own wide style what was your influence as a bass player, as a musician, who influenced you? You know, did you want to grow up and be, you know, the next Tom Araya, or were you looking to, you know, bring something else to the table? Cause, you know, I know you, I know you, you grew up as well as I did listening to, you know, the heavy metal, and the hardcore and who, who inspired you getting started?
1: Well, that's a good question. Kiss is definitely the first band that made me really excited about music for sure. sure. I saw and heard kiss and everything in my life was about kiss. Like I, I just was obsessed with them. Um, so we're, you know, this is the late seventies. And, uh, as I grew more like aware of music around like 79, 80, like that's when I started hearing and seeing like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, um, rush black sabbath you know the those were the bands acdc i those were the bands i all started like hearing around like 80 uh mm-hmm. and that's when i started collecting a lot of records and and i i really like before 80 it was more like kiss and that was it um yeah. <clears throat> but you know i can say like my my like getty lee from rush like just blew my mind with like i really understood what bass playing was because of that yeah um wh- where where it was just like you know, even Sabbath, too. Like, that's a bass doing that part. You know, like, I was getting that. Um, and I I wasn't, like, planning on being a bass player. <clears throat> but I, I grew up next to two brothers. One played drums, one played guitar. Huh. And I was hanging out with them anyway. And they're like, hey, if you get a bass, we could, like, start jamming some songs. Right. And so I got a bass. My mom found one for me somewhere, brought it home. And we the first song we played was aces high by iron maiden
0: uh, <laughs> oh, so
1: S- steve harris would be i'd say like my number two sure. influence like watching him play and and listening to old maiden records and just hearing the bass it was really loud in the mix it was like part of you know w- a whole nother level of what was going on and those were bass players that like, that brought bass to my attention um and so really like standard basic Great heavy metal was, like, the foundation of, but you know, up until, like, I heard Metallica, um, and then heard Megadeth, and heard Anthrax, and, and started hearing S.O.D., and, like, you're talking, like, mid-80s, that's, that's when I said goodbye to, like conventional heavy metal I was like no 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 I need this new stuff slayer oh, yeah. I need I need I need the the heavier stuff so really around 85 is where every my whole life just switched gears into like a, like appreciating punk and hardcore and you know like starting to go to shows and like that was it so though you know those are all the influences but the amazing thing is is at the same time I was seeing classical concerts at Lincoln Center and appreciating them because I I truly mm. loved What I was hearing and my grandfather, who lived around the corner, was, you know, constantly seeing classical shows and bringing me to them. So I had this like, you know, when I heard like Ingve Malmsteen, Rising Force, it was like exactly the record of what was going on in my mind at the time. It was like perfect cross of metal and classical. And that is really what brought me like when I heard Goblin. Um, and I heard Claudio Simonetti doing like demons where you heard a little like fugue style keyboard in that, in that horror music. I'm like, this is just like absolutely perfect. This is exactly what I love, <laughs> you know? So like it, it, my musical trail, it's all over the place, but it, it seems to make sense when, when classical and heavy music
0: combined. Oh, that's awesome. You definitely have a, definitely have a wide appreciation for music itself as a whole. And, uh, and I respect that. I really do.
1: I'm pretty open, man. I, I, I rarely criticize anything, you know, I, I can look for the good in, in almost anything. I mean, there's I just I just don't feel like being negative towards music is is helping anybody. You know what I mean? It's like if you don't like it, turn it on something else. Right. We
0: mm-hmm. all have
1: the whole world of music to, to choose from. So, you know, instead of saying how bad something is, just find something that's good.
0: Well, with that being said, who is your? I, I don't want to limit it to who is your favorite uh, musical act because you know that could that the genre is so so wide. But let's just say, who is your go-to music? Yeah, you don't know what I to mean, listen to. I'm always going to put this CD in.
1: Well, that's tough because I almost only at this point listen to soundtrack music that's you know no it's not a band i mean if i had to choose an artist i could but let's say soundtracks don't exist and i'm just talking about the regular world of music i mean it's hard to choose i love stuff like bad religion i can listen to them you know they make me feel positive i i love still listening to classic music like bad brains i I never get tired of listening to bad brains um I mean the list just goes on and on if I mean if I'm in the mood for slayer it's perfect for that time you know so picking one artist is so difficult uh you know goblin like one of my all time favorite but they they're still i guess more a soundtrack band um I don't know if you know Vangelis he's a mm-hmm. like um, kind of a new agey type artist but I have every single album and just incredible but that that probably one of my all time favorite artists. I don't know. Who would you pick?
0: Oh, wow. Um, You know, as far as bands go, I have, uh, my father raised me, uh, you know, listening to Crosby, Sills and Nash and Hart and Bob Seger and so forth. Uh, so, you know, anytime I hear something like that, the nostalgia of being with my father as a kid always kind of hits me, right. um, <laughs> going yeah. through my long hair and my head banging and my hardcore stage, I was always still a Prince fan always. Um, but yet my, honestly, my go-to band is typo negative okay there's just something about their, about their music it wasn't stage diving it wasn't elbows and knuckles it wasn't it, it, even funny they're called the drab four i still didn't find them to be dreary and doom they just had a sound to them that just carried me yeah no doubt i mean have you ever heard carnivore
1: before oh love. Oh, of course love yeah. them So we knew already Carnivore were pretty, you know, that first record had some really doomy, great stuff on it. The the second one was a little more up-tempo, heavier, Um, but, you know, I was, I was a fan at that point. And so like, I kind of remember when they were becoming typo, they were a band called Repulsion for a short while. Yep. And then like, so I, I remember hearing the Repulsion demo, and be like, okay, I like I hear the new way it is, and then we were signed to the same label as them, Roadrunner. So like I I had advanced copies of Bloody Kisses before it even came out, and I was like, this is maybe the greatest record I've ever heard. Like at the time, like I just was playing it
0: nonstop. I was like, this oh, that, is the perfect yeah, that record. Was a, that was a twenty four seven album for yeah. me. It, re- it really was when that came out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is. It, it's still it's still a great record. It's my favorite of their records. And I, I'm proud to say that, you know, we played a lot of shows with them and festivals in uh, Europe um, and and, you know, got to know the guys and, and they were all great guys. And, you know, just just a, a, a cool band. I got to say I have their their records after I was, I never felt the same as I did with bloody kisses. Like I always felt like the, the next records, although people argue with me and say, no way October rust is better. And you know, that's, Hey, whatever you like, it, it's sure. fine with me.
0: Yep, I just, it, your own, yeah.
1: In, in the mid nineties, that was the record that just fucking blew doors off. And, and oh,
0: sure. yeah, well, you know, speaking of you being on tour, uh, has there ever been a band that you played with open for, were on the road with that you actually fanboyed you were like holy shit are you serious we're really going to be playing with these guys um
1: definitely uh mostly at festivals where we would be like playing with like a band that i love and i I was like oh my god like but you know i i'd have to think off the top of my head i mean we've played with so many bands i mean i i've been backstage and looking you know i can remember in in uh in Sonisphere, uh, Anthrax, mm-hmm. Iron Maiden, um, and and I look to my left and the, those girls from uh, Baby Metal are there.
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, I have to get a picture with Baby Metal. I absolutely <laughs> have to. I don't. I mean, i all these other guys I'll see again, but I don't know if I'll ever see Baby Metal in their full uniform so i got them. (laughs) but i i I really i'm just such a huge fan of music that the most amazing thing is i can think of myself as a 15 year old putting records on the turntable and all of those bands that i loved i've shared the stage with at this point in my life and it's just like hard to believe that like at one point, Agnostic Front were just like the band making me trash my room. And now I'm like <laughs> friends with the guys, you know, sick of it all. I mean, there's just so many bands, Cro-Mags. I mean, all the bands, our first tour ever for Dog Eat Dog was opening for the Bad Brains. It's like you're, you're talking oh about God. the band I just said is one of my absolute yeah. favorites. And now we're going to tour with them at right. our first tour. You know, so like oh. I I feel so... Proud of and and you know humbled, but by, by the fact that you know I've been given that opportunity to turn my love of music into like something where I'm I'm I actually am like part of what I was listening to back then, and and it's it's just it's mind blowing how it happened, but it did, and it just it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of uh, endurance and and sticking with it when even when times go bad, which they do, but everything sure. changes, and if you can you know stick it out good times come back and for us that certainly happened we're on a second wave now that that we're doing really really well so you know uh and and it's just nice to see all these bands that i mentioned suicidal you know i'm still doing re- well uh iced tea uh and body count still like killing it you know i mean and you're seeing a lot of these bands, and and what I'm seeing in Europe is the appreciation for especially the '90s bands right now is like at an all-time high. People are like '90s were were
0: great. Uh, we want to see more of these bands, so that's a good thing for us. Oh, uh, Now that that is awesome. There was a, it it, just, it seemed like this year alone was 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 the the touring year, uh, and uh, you know on. Fortunately, obviously, with, uh, with the coronavirus as, having ceased and postponed and canceled a lot of shows. Um, but no, there, there have been bands coming out of the woodwork, a lot of retirement tours, a lot of reunion tours, and so forth. But uh, now the music industry is definitely, definitely thriving. Um, so let me ask you a quick question. Um, favorite horror movie? Well, this one I get all the
1: time. I know Halloween is and will always be my favorite horror movie. What it represents, the feeling you get every time you put Halloween in, it's just what I love about horror movies. It just it's got a tangible feel. It's got a almost a smell to it too. You know, I mean it's just like you're you're in there and it's like if I ever wanna feel the reason I love horror, Halloween is it for me. So that is number one. The shining is number two because of the same thing. It's like one of those movies that just continues to scare me and be creepy and be great every single time I watch it and never get tired. So Halloween and the Shining, those are the those are the two that really knocked me when I was young and, and I, I still feel it today.
0: Then how do you how do you compare Rob Zombie's Halloween with well, your favorite-
1: you know, I went and saw it in the theater. I support Rob Zombie, but I do not like his Halloween movies. I'll watch them, but I, I, they don't even, I mean, they don't even come close to Halloween one or two.
0: So let me ask, is it because you know so many people are, Oh, it's a remake. I'm going to hate it. Even if they're re-envisioning, I'm going to hate it automatically. I'm not, I don't want to say people are closed minded. Maybe they don't give it the chance. If, If there was never a John Carpenter's Halloween, would you still feel the same about Rob Zombie's version?
1: I would say I own it. I own it on DVD. I own it on Blu-ray. I was there opening night. So like even if I sound critical, I'm not. I I support Rob Zombie. I just call it like I see it. And
0: and, I uh, appreciate that. A lot of people, like I said, oh, I hate it because it's not John Carpenter.
1: No, no, no. I, I, I'm a huge collector, as you know, I watch everything and I, I like what I like. And, and I know that sometimes if you're in the wrong mood, a movie doesn't work, you watch it two years later and you're like, oh, it's really good. So, you know, I'm, I'm really used to like, but you got to know, like every Halloween movie, I'm there opening night, like no matter what, and I'm giving it like, I'm, I'm going in like expecting you know, a great time. And right. if if I just feel entertained, like this last one that came out, the the kind of reboot or whatever, I had a great time watching it. I you know, but it's not a great movie. I watched it again a second time, and I'm like, hey, it's going in my collection. I'm sure. gonna watch it once every couple of years and bring on more. I, I'm fine with it. You know, <laughs> um, it doesn't tarnish the original. Nothing will ever touch the first three. Um, for me, uh, those are you know the ones that I just religiously watch year after year. Um I love all the the movies, even the worst of them, same with Friday the 13th. I got every Hellraiser, I got every Child's Play. I mean, I just love this shit. I love it. So, you know, to to start being critical of every movie, you know, I I told you. I'm, I I like to point out the good stuff, but I I can really see good in even the 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 trashiest movies and I I just like to be entertained. So, you know, it, as long as a movie is entertaining, then I'm good with it. The worst movies are the ones that provide no entertainment value.
0: Well, you know, that, that kind of brings me to a a sidestep. Let's put it that way. Um, You've mentioned a, a good handful of iconic horror movies. Now, of course there is a huge indie horror film and extreme gore that is coming out or that has been out now, I should say uh, for a good couple years and uh, really tries to push a lot of limits. Um, one that I actually just rewatched the other night. Um, um, I had, I had seen it about three times in broken up segments. Unfortunately I kept getting interrupted never got to, never got to sit through the whole thing in its entirety, which I finally did the other night. Um, I'm curious if you have and if what your thoughts are on this style of movie. Um it's called a Serbian film.
1: Well, I own a Serbian film, mm-hmm. uh multiple versions, and I got the t shirt, so I guess that tells I'm you I'm a go. fan of the movie. <laughs> um I think it's it's a really well made movie. That's the yeah. first thing. It's like it's not like some amateur just figuring out how to make a movie i mean this thing is well shot yeah it's well lit it's well scored and the plot is is actually very simple i mean it's it's this you know besides the character build up what happens in the movie is like one bad night and then basically retracing your steps to figure out what the hell happened and it just gets worse Um, and I think the way it's made is actually, it's a, it's a a button pushing movie. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's absolutely extreme, um, Mm -hmm. but it's really well done. And and I got to say, it's not something that I like want to watch every day. Uh, Mm -hmm. but I do say it's a movie that I would, you know, depending on the person would recommend if you're a horror fan and you've seen extreme gore and you understand it's not real. Um, and you want to, you want to be shocked. I think this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a classic shocker, you know, and and the world still needs movies that that horror movies that push buttons the way the video nasties did, and you know, I mean, every once in a while, like Necromantic came out, and like everyone was shocked. Like you, you uh, gotta have something right. to be exciting. That's what makes horror great. Is when you're like, have you seen this? I remember when Hot Tension came out or High Tension. Oh, oh man, uh, and and it was like, Favorite. you know, thank you. You just not only. Hit a home run in terms of like just like gore and like well shot and and everything, but it like started like basically like a French horror you know resurgence and that delivered a couple of other good ones like Inside and and Martyrs. So Martyrs, like, sure, yep, you know we had a nice little French run in the mid uh, 2000s that was really good, um, but it, again, but- Martyrs is is to me it's just as rough as Serbian film
0: in its own in its own way no you're absolutely right a lot of people had a hard time watching that that movie and at first i was like okay it's a great film but you know no one's being raped no one's being brutally murdered well there there are death scenes obviously um but yeah in its own in its own way you know there were people that you know this is the most violent movie this is the most disturbing movie it's hard to watch and hard to get through and and like you said, you know, to each their own. And that movie to me was just, wow, be all end all when I first saw it. Yeah, I mean, Serbian
1: film. Hey, I like I said, I'm I I'm a fan. I'll be criticized for it. But it's just a movie. And it's a it's a roughy, but it's it's still a
0: movie. Nobody got hurt. You know, you got a you got a T-shirt out of it, which I'm jealous of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that was one of these. I go to horror conventions as much as possible. And, you know, there's sometimes people who are just making homemade, you know, shirts. And those are the ones I like to support and grab because you don't see them everywhere.
0: No, I can appreciate that. That's exactly the thing. You know, I'm I'm not looking for, you know, for for a Freddy. I'm not looking for a Jason because I can find them at Walmart half the damn time it's the Serbian film. It's the martyrs, you know, American Mary, those are the t-shirts that I'm actually looking for. So yes, I'm right there with you. Yeah.
1: Well, because of this Corona, I've missed two conventions. So I'm, I'm bummed.
0: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately,
1: you know, there's no, no shopping. Now we got to do all our online record buying and, uh, DVD and Blu-ray or whatever you're into. And, you know, it's not as much fun.
0: No, no, not nearly. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of friends of mine are vendors and uh, cosplay actors, and they are missing out on a lot of their, um, a lot of their, their, you know, a lot of their revenue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's rough for everybody. That it is. But Hey, uh, Dave, I want to thank you uh, for joining us tonight. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, hey. it's, been a, it's been a great time finally catching up and talking yeah. to you after after knowing you for these couple of years, um, congratulate you guys uh, on all your, all your found success. And uh, I wish you guys all the best on the road. Thank you, John. I
1: really appreciate you inviting me on and uh, you know, I appreciate you very much and and what you do and, and supporting music and horror movies and things that are important to a lot of people. So I uh, am glad that we could talk and yeah, maybe. Influence somebody to watch something they hadn't watched or listen to something they hadn't heard, you know, that's all we can do
0: well, you know, as soon as we we announced and uh, uh, House of tortured souls is doing a theme a month uh, trying to keep in in tune with the women in horror month in February, we are doing the same with us and April we decided was was our music in horror month and I figured I know just avid collector who I want to be able to talk to about that. Yeah.
1: And just to say, just to, we didn't even touch on it, but the soundtracks for the uh, Ibon comic books. Yes. Uh, which is Zombie and Bottom Feeder. Those are two that I, were released last year, 2019, that I did. Um, so that's, that really is the music and horror thing for me.
0: Thank you for uh, reminding me.
1: And uh, not only that, but I, I'm working on a new, record that i've full it's it's recorded uh is not out yet has to be mixed but it's it's recorded and that's a a continuation of me recording my style of music which is incorporating horror and uh it's it's got beats to it but it's mostly horror based and it's 10 songs it's it's going to be coming soon but that's something to look forward to uh as soon as this world gets going again
0: (laughs) well definitely keep me tabs on that because i'm definitely going to want to be checking that one out yeah, for sure. All right. Well, hey, Dave. Again, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. I'll let you wrap okay. it up. All right. Stay safe. All right. Uh, you too. This is John with his witching hour here at House of Torched Souls, thanking Dave Nieborn for having joined us here in our music of horror. Dave, until we talk again, stay safe, my friend. You too. Thank you so
1: much, John. Bye bye.